This is a podcast asking the very best in the world how to stay resilient. I'm Michael Bungay-Stanier, and we will get through this. I once read a quote, and I can't tell you who said it. I think my, my guest may be able to tell us. And it was profound and it was poetic. And it said, the universe is not made up of atoms. It is made up of stories. And as soon as I read that, I'm like, oh, well, you know, it is made up of atoms, but it's also made up of stories because there is a way that storytelling is the fabric that creates relationship and it creates community and it creates uh, uh, a history it allows you to understand the history and therefore it allows you to see where you are in the present and also perhaps lay a path out to where you might be going in the future. So I think when we sit and we ask ourselves, well, how will we get through this? I do think one of the skills that all of us need to take on board is to take on the responsibility to be storytellers because it is an enlivening act for you and it is an enlivening act for those around you. So when thinking to myself, okay, so who would I ask about storytelling? Pretty much immediately I went, you know, there's someone in Australia that I need to call up, get on the phone and have a conversation with. And I'm excited to introduce her to you. You may know her already. Uh, she is Bernadette Jiwa. She is the creator of the Story Skills Workshop, as well as being an author. Um, she created this uh, workshop in part in partnership with Seth Godin. So if you know Seth and his Akimbo workshops, Bernadette has partnered with Seth and is bringing this approach to storytelling to a huge, receptive, eager audience. And Bernadette helps people, organizations, and communities practice everyday storytelling to build resilience, trust, and connection. So if we will get through this, it is not about anything but resilience, trust, and connection. I don't know what it's about. So, Bernadette, I'm very excited to have you here. Oh, thanks for inviting me, Michael. I'm thrilled you're, you're podcasting again. So happy about that. Yeah, you know, me too. I, I really loved the last podcast I did, and then I sort of ran out of puff because I couldn't quite figure out what it was about. It, um, it felt a little too much the same as other people's podcasts, and it didn't quite have the the focus that would enliven it and now with this idea of we will get through it i'm like oh i can build i can build an arc to that i can build a story within that headline that could be interesting so yeah i'm excited to be interviewing at podcasting as well because i get to talk to cool people like you <laughs> well it's interesting you say that that's the reason i haven't started a podcast because you see so many you know great you listen to so many great podcasts and so many wonderful people are stepping up and, and beginning. And I feel like, oh, what would I have to add to that conversation? And how would I not run out of path? Yeah. You? you know, but that's, that is the dilemma of every creative because mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, you write a book and you're like, why don't I write a book? And then you go, huh, <laughs> there's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of really good books out there. Why would I bother writing a book? Mm. Um, why, what have I got to say that hasn't already been said? And I love the phrase, uh, old wine in new bottles. I'm like, oh, that's really good. Because, you know, take this podcast, which is centered around different people talking about different insights and different tools around building resilience. 
Am I the first person to cotton onto resilience as a thing? Of course not. There's a, there's a litany, there's a history of mm. wise people who've done something like this and gathered strategies and insights around resilience. But, you know, it's like a, a, a different framing, a different curation, me in the mix kind of bringing what I have to the conversation. It's going to be different. And I'm a big believer of kind of when the, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. So maybe I can be the teacher for some people who don't yet know that they're the student who's looking for this. Mm. It's, that's lovely framing. And I would also add, you know, when I speak to storytellers, they say, oh, it's all been said before. And I say, but it hasn't been said by you. Right. So that's another way of saying beautifully what you said. I, I kind of got on my high horse about storytelling because I think when you meet somebody who is a great storyteller, it's a magical moment. I mean, I married one. I remember meeting my Marcella in a pub in Oxford. It was the first time I met this woman. And she's just sitting there telling this outrageous story about something that happened to a previous boyfriend of hers. And I was just like, hey, oh, you are a compellingly interesting slash dangerous person. I should hang out with you a bit more often. And it's like 30 years later, here we are. So... <laughs> Maybe, maybe I need story, to understand storytelling and self-defense or something else, but who knows? But for you, Bernadette, who's, who, has made a, who has built an expertise around this, I mean, storytelling does feel like this deeply human thing. I mean, you go all the way back to Homer and the wine dark sea. But what is it about storytelling? Why is it so essential to humanity and community and connection? Well, you started with a great quote up front, and I think that might have been, it could have been Yuval Noval Harari, the historian who, who that quote came from. But he also went on to say that you know, storytelling is our unique competitive advantage. The reason that human beings managed to collaborate was because of storytelling. And the reason that we are so successful as a species is because we can collaborate in large numbers. Huh. Um, so storytelling is like the glue. It's, it's the glue of our community and our collaboration. And that's why it's so essential. What, what is it about storytelling that allows collaboration to come forth? It's this emotional connection that enables us to have this empathy that we can, it's the neuroscience essentially. You know, this is not just me getting up on my high horse saying, this is a really good idea. Can you see how you could connect emotionally with somebody around story? The neuroscience proves it. And right. you know, we don't need to go into that. There's so many neuroscientists out there working on the mm -hmm. power of story. Um, but this emotional connection this, this and this actual change in our brain chemistry as we hear stories and how we then connect to the teller. I love that. Although I know there are some people listening to this conversation and they're going, all right, Michael, you have cheated because Bernadette, clearly she lives in Australia, but she's not Australian. She's Irish. And aren't the Irish kind, isn't there a kind of secret government breeding program that allows everybody who's from Ireland to drink Guinness and tell amazing stories in a fantastically humorous way and everybody else doesn't have that gene? It's like, 
it's like the Jamaican sprint team in the Olympics. They're like, how, what? If, if there was a storytelling Olympics, it'd be like the Irish would be the Jamaican relay team. It's like, we, we have all the gold medals. So I guess one question that comes from this is like, to what extent is storytelling uh, kind of in your bones just from the way, how you grow up? Or, and is it really a skill that you can learn? Okay, let's unpack this. I do have the advantage of coming from the storytelling capital of the world, which is Dublin. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I grew up in a house without any books, Michael, um, because my parents, my parents both left school at the age of 13 and 14 to go to work there. They were uh, from families of 11, both of them, and they were not literate, but that didn't mean that there weren't any stories. Mm And the thing to know about Irish people, the quality that makes the Irish, and you will love this, <laughs> such good storytellers, is that they are curious. They are right. Irish people then are the nosiest people in the world. They <laughs> will always ask questions. They always want to know your story. And that's, you know, great. Ira Glass said great stories happen to uh, people who tell them, but also great stories happen to people who look out for them. So you become right. a good teller by being curious. And to your second point, there's this myth that uh, storytelling is a gift, that it's reserved for the chosen few. You know, people like a James Joyce um, right. or a Neil Gaiman um, or Zadie Smith. And yes, while they are great storytellers, they, they, didn't, they, weren't, they didn't come out fully formed on day one. They practiced so what I say to people is storytelling is an act. It's an art. It's not just an art. It's an act that you can get better at with practice. You know, I have a, um, I'm not sure you know this about me, but I, uh, for my master's degree in literature, I wrote about James Joyce and, um, one of my favorite postcards floating around somewhere in my office here is from the British library, which is, uh, um, a, a copy of a manuscript of him writing and just it's all crossed out because <laughs> it's like he just didn't sit down and write it out and there's like this magical thing up here it was written and rewritten and practiced and rehearsed and changed and and played around with so i think you're right it, it's sure there's a cultural background that's helpful but you get there through practice yeah, and what's interesting about what you said there is what we said you were talking about in an earlier conversation about the the act of writing your book and how many drafts you went through. Oh, so many drafts. And, and how so many much bad drafts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the other thing to point out is that storytelling is this mystical thing. You know, if I was to say, to walk up to 100 people on the street just now and ask them what a story was, I would get 100 different answers. And so what I've tried to do, spend my time doing in the last two years in particular, is teach people how to do it, not just do it for them. And by simplifying it as you do with coaching. And yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit behind you on, on the time frame, but I'm getting there. You're getting there. So um, how, start by telling us how you, you define a story. I mean, what is that? A story is a character in a situation faced with choices. Oh, that's so good. 
And old old storytelling is just about change. So a character in a situation faced with choices and and what do we learn by uh, witnessing the change that they go through? So how, so I can feel people nodding to that. I mean, if you've ever seen a movie, you know that movies start by that situational shot, which is like, oh, here you are. It's the it's Central Park or it's Toronto or it's the outback of Australia or wherever it is. And then a character steps into frame and you're like, oh, there's our hero. Um, and now, and you know, within the first minutes, you get a sense of here's the crossroad that they're at. Here's a dilemma that they're facing. So as soon as you say that, I see that playing out in the way books are written and movies are, are shot. But I don't immediately know how to become a good storyteller with that definition. So if you were, if you looked at me as a 90 pound weakling entering into the storytelling gym, what exercise would you start me off on? I would give you this tool that I have and I will send it to you so you can put it in the show notes. Oh, and perfect. It's, called, it's called the story scaffold. So mm. I, would, I would suggest you start with thinking about the beginning of your story. How are you going to engage the audience? In the middle, how are you going to show the challenge? And by the end, how are you going to show us the change and bring us along this emotional journey? Mm-hmm. Now, there are five steps to that. Um, the first is what you just described there is setting the con- context, introduces to the hero or the heroine's world. Right. Then there's some catalyst that propels them into the action. You know, something, something happens in the hero's world. So uh, if I take a story like Brooklyn um, by Colm Tobin, if anyone's w- uh, read the book or uh, watched the movie, Ailish is sent to America uh, because she can't get work in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And then there's a complication. Uh, so her sister dies and then she goes, she, just as she's settling into New York and to Brooklyn, she has to go back home because her sister dies. And then we watch her going through this phase of change. She decides on a path to overcome the obstacle. And then in the resolution, the, her character is, and her worldview is changed. So there's context, catalyst, complication, change, and consequence. Nice. Five, six. What a lucky coincidence. They all start with letter C. Um, that's perfect. You know, it's interesting you, you say that, Bernadette. Um, the Just breaking the story down into three acts, three steps like that, is immediately helpful. And actually, it immediately reminds me of, of the classic cartoon strip, which mm. basically has those three, three boxes as you kind of move your way through that. And I remember reading Scott, I think it's Scott McLeod's book on understanding comics, and uh, which is fantastic. I mean, it's a magical piece of art, really. And I remember him saying, hey, you know, the, the action all happens in between the frames of the comic, <laughs> in those little gaps in between the frames. I'm like, oh, so this is working with Bernadette's model, which is like you have the start, and then something happens that gets you to the middle, then something happens that gets you to the end, and then suddenly you've been moved through this experience and through this hero or heroine seeing change, facing change, making a choice, and then coming to a resolution. And what's interesting about Scott's work and his beautiful quote, the quote you've uh, 
uh, raised there is that he what, what's going on is what's happening in our imagination about how the character is feeling. So we have an emotional connection and right. we're wired for that. We're wired for that. How do you, um, I guess part of the challenge of work, it's like, it's one thing to start seeing the structure of a story, mm. but I want people to start telling stories. Yeah. And how do you give people the courage to start articulating and finding the right context and the right moment to tell stories? How do you invite them into that space? I, t I tell them to tell the smallest story. I invite them to tell oh, the nice. smallest story they can tell. Because yeah. what happens is we feel like we need to tell this epic arc of a story, the story of our entire lives. And what you probably <laughs> saw with Marcella yeah. when you met her, which was re made her such a compelling storyteller, was she was telling you about an Im a moment in time. Totally. Something that happened uh, you know, on an afternoon or one week, as opposed to the whole arc of her life. And actually, you're really good at that because you taught, you have a lot of great childhood stories where right. that say something about you and your character and how you built up resilience and strength and in, at times of adversity. So it, it's about finding those tiny stories in, in your day. You know, there's, there's something really, really smart about that. I love it. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the practices I'm trying to do at the moment, you, you and I talked about this recently uh, is, um, shooting a little video every day and it's literally a minute or two minutes. There's certainly no more than two minutes. And the goal of it is to, to end in a question, to, to share a question. But if I just was going, Hey, here's a question I thought of blah, blah, blah. That's about eight seconds of video and it's not very compelling. So mm -hmm. I kind of have to, I kind of have to find a story to tell a story. And, you know, just today I was like, Hey, so I'm here in Toronto. I'm on my balcony. There's the street where my dry cleaner is, but I can't go up it because mm -hmm. there's a, you know, there's a pandemic happening. And even if I could go out there, the, the dry cleaner's closed down and, of course, here's mm -hmm. the challenge. They have all my shirts. <laughs> I don't even have a shirt to wear. I've only got this, this one T-shirt left. But you know what? I love this T-shirt because it's got this logo on it. It says, my life rocks. And it's kind of this big, bold, affirming T-shirt. And when I wear it, you know, there are some people who go, oh, I love your T-shirt. And there are other people who go, you know, your T-shirt's ridiculous. My life sucks. And I'm like, okay, I don't understand why you're saying that, but okay, sure. Um, and there's something wonderful about that. And let me ask you a question that's based on the fact about how your life is and how you're thinking about what's going on. Mm. And practice has got me good at going, I can tell you about a 30 second piece of my life. And if I give you some details and I make it invested in some emotion, which is just that, Hey, this is me. And I care about these shirts somehow that is compelling enough for some people to go, Hey, this is fun. I liked, I'm, I'm glad I'm in your company. Yeah. Because, because we can all see ourselves in that situation and what you're illustrating so beautifully with your question videos, Michael is how to tell the tiny story. I mean, maybe you should be 
heading up this course because <laughs> maybe I should have, step you, aside, you, Bernadette. <laughs> Here you I come. Are so amazing at it, and what <laughs> what you're pointing at is that great storytellers are first class noticers. So I remember the one that you did when you were wearing. You said, "Here I am in my anorak, and I'm walking along the street." And when, right. So you, and you started, and then you said, "When I met my wife, and we moved to Toronto, and I'm used, I was brought up in Australia." She said, "One day, I can even remember the whole." Story. One day you will come to love winters in Toronto, and he and you said, "I will never love winters." In Toronto. <laughs> so right. I am faced with this challenge of how do I survive here in this place where I am with the person that I love. So you, you've taken us through every one minute, two minute video context, uh, catalyst, complication, yeah. change, and consequence. Well. For people who are going, okay, this is helpful, I'm seeing the arc of it, but sometimes when I tell a story, it falls a bit flat. Um, what's the health check you would give somebody's story to say, right, here are the three points I, or five points maybe I would check off to go, well, did you do this and did you do this and did you do this? Because sometimes I hear somebody tell a story and I think to myself, you're 93% of the way to telling a really good story and somehow all the air went out of it and it didn't quite work and it didn't quite land. How, how, how would you resuscitate a near-to-death story? Start in the action. So say, so right. there I was. And that's why your videos are working because you're right in the action. Here I am walking up the street. Here I am on my balcony. So start in the action. So there that's I was. That's great. Don't start with, oh, let me tell you a story about this and, and I'll tell you why it's important. It's because, you know, it taught me about this. You say, no, start in the action. Here I, here I was, uh, you know, standing on my balcony and I've no shirts in my wardrobe. And I need to be smart for this thing and what am I going to do? I love that. I, I got told that really early on, which is whatever your opening chapter is, write it out and then just discard it because it's kind of your warm up. <laughs> Nobody else needs to know about it. It's just kind of you loosening up. And chapter two is when things get interesting. So just start with chapter two. Exactly. So you're starting in the action and you're also editing. Take out whatever doesn't belong there, yeah. that doesn't advance the story, that doesn't create this emotional connection with the audience. Right. Um, having empathy with the audience standing in their shoes is another one. And think about telling the story to one person. That's a big thing because oh, we, tend to get, we tend to get stuck when we think about, you know, my audience imagining ourselves standing on the TED stage or mm -hmm. you know, writing this epic that's going to reach 800,000 people <laughs> like yeah. some people have done with their masterworks. Thank um, you. Uh, but you know, if you t if you can tell the story that resonates with one person, then you can guarantee that it's going to resonate with someone else. And just to endorse that, you know that the coaching habit is a book that sold eight hundred thousand copies at the moment, so that's thrilling. But I wrote it with such a specific person in mind. I mean, I knew exactly the person I could. I knew what she wore. I knew where she was buying it. I knew how big her handbag was. I knew how big her team was. I knew her role in, in her organization. I knew it. I knew who I was writing for exactly. And that just allowed me to be, to make choices about what was in and what was not in, in the story. 
Mm. How about a, a, a tip? Maybe this is the perfect way to kind of start wrapping it up. A, a tip to wrap up a story. Because sometimes people set us up and then they kind of land with a, with a flop. How do, is there, a, is there a, a secret or an art or a technique that just makes stories end well? What, what happens most often when stories flop is you take us out of the action again. So you start wrapping up with, and so what I learned from that was, <laughs> right. um, instead of keeping us in the action and, and helping the reader or listener to co-create the story with you, someone like Ken Robinson is great at that, the great TED uh, mm-hmm. speaker. Not only is he funny like you are, and some not everyone is funny, and you don't have to be funny to tell right. a great story. I am not funny. Um, <laughs> at, at the same time, don't take people out of the action because right. uh, you want them to co-create the ending of the story with you to see themselves reflected in that story, which is what you're doing with the videos too, Michael. So taking them out of the action means when you like, allow me now to start debriefing my own story. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, Explaining you, you, the meaning of the story from start to finish. We do right. it all the time. Yeah. That's funny. That whole, I keep wanting to move into the meta commentary to tell you what's going on as I tell you the story and you're like, just don't do that. Allow people to fill in their own gaps and make their own story. So they're actually part of the story with you. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But, but this has been wonderful. It's been great to have what feels like a, can feel like a magical art watching somebody tell a great story. And you're like, I don't even know how you did that, but that was in, in compelling. Um, and to go, you know what, there is an art to storytelling, but the art comes through understanding structure and through practice. So thank you. Um, for those people who are going, actually, I'd like to learn more about the art of storytelling. Where can they find out more about you and your work? Uh, they can find me at thestoryoftelling.com. Bernadette, you are awesome. Thank you very much. It's been lovely to talk to you. Oh, Michael, it's been a pleasure and a privilege. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's Michael here. Two things before you go. The first is a gift. The second is a request. The gift, I want you to go to mbs.works and hunt down the year of living brilliantly. Really, it's some of my best work because it is a 52-week, 52-teacher, absolutely free video-based course where I spend a lot of time curating some of the smartest people I know and saying, teach me the best of what you've got. If you're looking to really step up to have a year that's just a little bit sweeter, a little bit better than the year you've just had, that is a terrific resource. So please go and check that out. Absolutely free, no obligation, nothing required other than for you to sign up and get going on it. And then for the request, I just want what every podcast host wants, which is a little bit of love. So if you'd consider going to iTunes or Spotify or whatever your favorite podcast platform is and giving the podcast a bit of a rating and a bit of a review, that would be amazing. Thank you.